Good morning. And here we are. And those who have been with us for the past several Sundays know we've been studying through the book of John. And we're going to continue on with that today. We've actually spent already three months getting through John chapter 1 through 11. And then we picked up another three-month study in John 12 through 21. I think I shortchanged John the other day and tried to say only 20 chapters. Matt teacher should really check his numbers before he says something. I should know better. But we have a ways to go. We're going to do lessons a little bit out of order um, with Easter coming up. Very, very soon, seven days away. But here we are on Palm Sunday talking about John chapter 15. And one of my favorite chapters, and, um, you know, I, just just don't be alarmed that the stack of notes I have will, will keep things moving today. But today I want to talk about uh, the title that has been given to our lesson by Lifeway is Remain in Me. And that is a good title. I, I think that's entirely appropriate. We will see those words, remain. Some translations say abide as we go through these verses today. But we're not skipping around. We are doing the first 17 verses of John chapter 15, and we're going to read to them a few at a time here. As we talk about abiding or remaining in Jesus, the true vine. So we're going to break it up one through three. Then we'll go look at four and five, six and eight. 9 to 11 and 12 to 17, that may be a little different than in your books, but it's pretty close, actually. It's pretty close uh, until the end when I love a whole bunch of stuff together. Um, until then, we divide up a little differently, but pretty much parallel. But let's get into this before we get into the verses themselves. Um, a question to consider. As we look at this, Jesus used a lot of examples from nature to communicate spiritual truths. Jesus took something that was familiar to an audience, and he used that as a picture, a lesson of something he wanted us to understand about God, about relating to God, about living a life of faith. And you're going to see this today. So some of us have more experience in the modern day than others in actually growing things. I myself am not a gardener. Um, but I do know that plants die without water. I do know that if you want something not to come back in your yard, some ugly weed, you have to root it up, right? If you, if you just cut it off with the lawnmower, it's going to grow back. But if you unroot it, then, it, then that, is, that weed is gone forever. At least that one, his 10 friends may still be there, but that one's gone. So we understand that weeding a yard is a very difficult thing. We're not actually talking about that today, but we are talking about the importance of roots and a relationship between the plant and the soil for it to be a healthy plant. It must be well-rooted, well-watered. It must have that connection to the soil and the nourishment that it needs. And so Jesus wants us to see it's very similar spiritually. And we, many of us who are, or at least should be, mature Christians, this is an, a reminder for us that we cannot coast on the coattails of our church attendance or Sunday school attendance pins of yonder years that we have to have a solid relationship with the Lord we profess to serve to be effective in his service. That we cannot on experience or knowledge or, or wisdom or simply going through the motions be effective for Christ. Only what is done that is empowered by Jesus will accomplish the purposes of God's kingdom. And that is a reminder for us today, and perhaps a comfort that we may feel like perhaps we've lost a step. Um, you know, pro, pro athletes usually retire in their 30s. By the time we hit our 30s, we, are, we have lost a little bit of the youthful vigor. All right, so maybe you felt like you maybe lost a step or two from, from when you were running around, maybe chasing small children, and, and you thought you retired then. And now you really know what being tired feels like. As we age, we realize that, that these bodies are not permanent bodies, that they're not getting stronger and stronger every year, but we're feeling the effects of, of, of just being a little bit old. Now, if that's the case, 
you might be discouraged. Well, I, I, I feel like my body's in decline. I have things, I have, I have places that hurt now I didn't know I had places. <laughs> so how can I be effective in ministry when I'm not a spring chicken anymore? Well, if we were dependent on physical strength, we would hire basketball players and football players to do the work of the church, but we don't do that, do we? It's not. And all dependent on our physical vigor to be effective in the kingdom. Rather, Jesus is looking for vessels that he can flow through and use. And guess what? The strength isn't ours. It's his. And in fact, you can make an argument that the weaker we realize we are, the stronger and more impressive God can be through us in reaching our community, our family, and others. So, let this be an encouragement to you because we find out that we are only the branches of the vine. We have one responsibility, and that is to stay connected to the vine, and the work is God's. It is not our efforts, but it is God working through us that creates the fruit of God's kingdom, and that is very encouraging indeed. With all the physical limitations we may have, myself included, all the um, sometimes questionable decisions and mixed-up priorities we sometimes have as when life is busy, and all the restraints we sometimes find in life get less busy, and we might be frustrated trying to force things to happen. But let me tell you, that branch on the apple tree isn't worried at all. As long as that branch stays connected to the tree, there will be apples. It's not the branch's job to produce the apples. It's the branch's job to stay connected to the tree, which nourishes it, and apples will naturally follow. So we don't need to compare ourselves to the past or to others. We just need to stay connected to the true vine and let God do whatever he wants to do. As I recall, there were a couple people in the Bible who might have been a little older that God still used to do what he wanted to do. I remember Caleb conquering a town in Judah and claiming his inheritance. When he was an older gentleman, I remember Moses holding up his staff in battle, and the Israelites conquered their enemy. So it's not about how young or old we are. God uses people of every age, every stage of life, and our dependence is not on our current state of life, but our dependence is on him. So whether we're a little younger and we don't know anything yet, or a little older and maybe we face a few limitations in that stage of life, whatever stage of life we're in, through all the spectrum of life that we've already walked through, and then we find ourselves in today. It's our faith in Jesus and our relationship to him that is the only requirement for us being fruitful for God's kingdom. So as long as we're here, God must have something for us to do, and we're going to trust for some apples on the apple tree this morning, or perhaps to be a little bit closer to the verses here, some grapes on the bottom. All right, let's look at it. So our outline today we're going to fill this in about abiding or remaining in the true vine. That is our responsibility as believers. And from there, we trust God for the results. Let's look at our verses here as we get started in John chapter 15. Verse 1 through 3. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Now, we could have fit verse 3 in a lot of different ways. I went ahead and put it with verses 1 through 2. It's kind of a transition there, but notice that we have the story, and we have Jesus the vine, and God is kind of put on his, his outdoor apron, and he is the gardener, the master gardener, the caretaker of the vine. You might recall that in the Old Testament several times, God talks about a vineyard that he has planted. Many times this idea comes up in the book of Isaiah. We, may, we have even studied that before, some of us. That God plant, When God plants a garden, he expects results from that. You ever plant something and get kind of 
frustrated that you weren't getting those tomato plants you were hoping for? You weren't, those flowers weren't blooming yet? You're like, now sometimes just we're being impatient because we expect it to happen overnight, right? But in time, if you plant the right thing and, and it's in the right conditions, it may take a year, but eventually you start seeing the fruits of your labor. Well, we find that Jesus is the vine, and we are the what? We are the branches. And so every branch in the vine that doesn't produce is removed, and every branch that is in the vine is pruned. Now, that doesn't sound maybe so fun, but understand that God is in charge of his vine. And God knows who is in Jesus and who is not in Jesus. And maybe there are some pretenders, some imposters who enter into the church and think that they're going to be part of the work, but God knows that they really belong. So when he talks about branches that don't produce fruit. Those are the imposters. They're not connected to Jesus, really. And they get removed from the vine. Basically, in the kingdom of God, producing fruit is not optional. It's not a country club you can join. You can't join the club and not do anything. It's, it's not about um, showing up on Sunday and, and, and waving like some kind of politician, right? Church is not about that. Church is about serving the Lord. And so the, those who aren't really part of it, they get removed. These imposters get removed and will learn more about them later, but notice that Jesus is the true vine. If we want to be connected to what God is doing in this world, and we want to contribute toward his kingdom, as we saw back in chapter 14, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way. The only way. If you want to be connected to God, you have to be connected through Jesus. So a Muslim cannot serve God. Uh, someone who doesn't believe in Jesus, a Jew, as, as religious as he might be, that doesn't believe in Jesus, is not able to serve God. It is only because God is building his kingdom through Jesus. So it has to start with an agreement about Jesus, who Jesus is. And you wonder why sometimes we, we, we stress these important doctrines about the virgin birth of Christ and his, his sacrifice on the cross, that it begins with Jesus. You have to be connected through Jesus to be part of what God is doing in this world and to be for it in his kingdom. So it all begins with our relationship to him. He is the true vine. He is the only true source of spiritual nourishment and strength. It's through Jesus or it's not at all. On our own, like just imagine, like take a branch off any tree, uh, you know, and uh, just stick it in the ground, see what happens. Not a whole lot's going to happen, right? When you break off a branch, it just dies, doesn't it? We'll talk more about that later. So the connection to Jesus is absolutely essential here, and that's what I want you to see. So, the, now, why do we prune a tree or a plant? Why do we do that? Seems kind of cruel. I'm just going to snip, snip, get rid of this, get rid of this. But why? Well, get rid of the old stuff. Yeah, you got. You want the nourishment to go, the uh, to to go to the right place. You don't want to. You want to go to the healthy part of the plant, which is. It's uh, why you prune. You just not cutting things willy nilly. Yeah, but you're looking for the part of the plant that's not being productive. You cut that off, like we just talked about, so that the sap and the nourishment of the tree goes to where fruit is actually going to be produced. So you don't waste anything. So God is not in the habit of wasting his blessings and wasting his provisions. He knows who his servants are, and he sends those provisions to those who are being fruitful. That's what I'm reading here. But he has to prune even the branches that are producing fruit because, of course, a branch branches out, right? That's where the name comes from. And on one branch, you may have one one smaller branch off of that that's not doing anything and some other branch is doing a lot and you know what i like in these little this idea of pruning is that maybe you're the branch and in your life you have all these things you're involved in 
And you know what? God has a way of redirecting us sometimes, doesn't he? And we may have projects, activities, jobs even, hobbies that we are involved in. And God says, you know what? That's not really furthering what I want for you. Some things we get involved in are sometimes distractions that sap our energy. And God comes along and removes them. He's not removing our branch because we're his child and we're connected to him and we're his servant. Um, and I'm not saying here that God takes away salvation. If you're his child, you've been born. It's not like you can be unborn. You're his branch and you're connected in. But there's also this expectation that if you really do belong to Christ, you're going to bear fruit in your life that show yourself to be a disciple of Jesus. So if you're in the, in the vine, you are his branch, but he may still prune you in the sense that he may remove things from your life that are keeping you from being more fruitful, if that makes sense. And you might look back in your life and there might, you might realize there's times that God sent a little detour your way. And at the time you didn't understand it, but looking back, perhaps you can see, oh, well, you know, that, that, that thing I was involved in really wasn't anything but a distraction, and God had something better for me. And we have to understand that God is the gardener, and you know what? Gardeners meddle. God meddles with his children, doesn't he? It's like a father has to step in and say, okay, that's enough TV, it's enough time on the iPad. Sometimes we have to put restrictions on those little ones because they don't understand, right? They want to just eat ice cream and play in the yard and play video games all day long, but you know they have to have a healthy meal and they have to rest. God is cultivating his plan. And sometimes God may snip something away that we, wait a minute, I liked that. Okay, but you can't just eat cake, Scott. You've got to do this so you can be fruitful for me. You've got to find some time for some rest, and you can't just play video games all the time. You're an adult, for goodness sake. You've got to go to work. You got to take care of your mom. You got some other things you got to do. You got to get ready for this and that and the other. So God has the snippers. All right. He went to. He didn't have to go to Home Depot. He made his own. God's like that. And he has all the gardening tools. And he will, whenever he sees fit, prune something out of our life. Because his purpose for us is that we would bear much fruit. We'll see that in just a moment. And he's made every provision for that. As we, uh, the pastor has been preaching through 1 Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 1, we see God has given us everything necessary to live a godly life. And so notice here in verse 3, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. And I'll just say one thing in passing here. As he says, you are clean, he's currently talking to 11 disciples. Because guess who just left the room? Judas is gone. The betrayer is gone. The 11 remaining disciples are faithful to Jesus. And he says you are clean. And God has cleaned you. Judas has been, Judas has been cut off. right? Judas is, is going to hang himself out of guilt for what he does. Judas is not really in the vine. The 11, other 11 disciples are. And Jesus is saying you are clean. God has washed you so that you can be a healthy plant and you can produce fruit for God's kingdom. Isn't it amazing? Like... Just with 11 disciples, there were others involved, many women and other men believed. But those 11 disciples, it's almost like God planted the 11 seeds in Christianity, grew all up throughout the world today, where there are now billions of Christians about to celebrate Easter. So here we have this thought that the way has been prepared. You are clean. Let's take a look at something. I wanted to go and, and just show you on the expectation that God expects fruit. Being unfruitful is not an option. NASA had a slogan, failure is not an option. We can't spend, you know, a billion dollars, you know, to send a man on the moon and have it fall apart. There were some shaky moments with, what, Apollo 13 and some of the other ones. But nonetheless, lack of fruit is not an option in God's kingdom. Fruitfulness is a requirement, in fact. So look at this parable that Jesus told earlier in his ministry, Luke chapter 13. He told this parable, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, sir, let alone this year also, 
until I dig around it, put on manure, and then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good, but if not, you can cut it down. But see the attitude here expressed in this parable. Jesus wants us to know that God expects fruit from his children. As we studied the Old Testament, we saw so many times God was frustrated with the disobedient Jews that were supposed to be his shining example to the world because they had the law of Moses, only they wouldn't obey the law of Moses. And they made idols and other things he forbid them to do. And he was frustrated that they were not bearing the fruit of a people that knew him. And so this has always been God's expectation. But also notice God's compassion here. That he was going to give the tree, the fig tree, one last chance. But God does expect fruit. Sometimes we have to do some pruning and some uh, fertilizing to get something to grow properly. But God does expect fruit. He doesn't have a whole lot of patience for a fig tree taking up the ground and not producing fruit. Remember the story when Jesus walked by? I think it was during Passion Week, in fact, and there was the fig tree there in Jerusalem, and the leaves were there. It didn't have any fruit, and he cursed it. And the next time they came by, the disciples were amazed because the tree was dead. Jesus communicating that message. God wants us to produce fruit. We are not just spectators in church. We are servants, and we are to be bearing the fruit of our relationship with God. So there is a requirement, a requirement of fruitfulness. If we really are connected to the vine, there should be fruit, there should be results in our life that show that God has changed us and that God has touched others through us. And if that fruit is not there, we really need to check and make sure that we have been connected to the vine all along. We should see that God changed us after we believed in him and that he has used us in, in various ways and that we have not just sat on the sidelines and applauded from afar, but we have been his branches producing his fruit. So fruitfulness is a requirement and it's an assurance to us that we do belong to the kingdom as we've seen God do things only God, we can only explain by, by God intervening in our life. And changing us from the young, reckless youth that maybe we were into the fine adults I see above before me today. That God changed your heart, that God changed your life, and God uses you from time to time in various ways. Sometimes it's just bringing over a meal or a dessert for somebody. But you have that fruit, that compassion, that the love that Jesus put in your heart overflows to others. And many of you are the ones that the church calls upon when those when those Easter baskets have to be filled and other things come up and they call, we need help with this. You are some of the ones that answer the call, and that's one way you're showing your fruitfulness to the kingdom. But that all of us, every believer, must be producing not necessarily the same fruit. Could be an apple, could be a pear, could be an orange. But are you producing fruit for the kingdom? A healthy plant will produce fruit. If we don't see fruit, then we have to wonder if that branch is even connected to the vine. So hopefully we all can look at this with assurance. Now, this is not about being perfect, but is there evidence that God is in your life and has produced fruit, that he changed you, and people can see the evidence of your relationship with God? Now we move on to verse 4 and 5, and here's what we see. Remain in me, and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself, unless it remains on the vine, neither can you, unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me, and I in him, produces much fruit, because you can do nothing without me. You see, we don't need to put pressure on ourselves. Oh, I need to make more fruit. Oh, Jesus expects me to make fruit. I better get busy. Well, you know one thing about branches? They never look busy. They just kind of sit there, swaying in the wind. Are they worried? Nope. Why? Because they know, it's again, it's not their job to produce the fruit. They just stay connected, and fruit naturally happens. A healthy relationship always produces fruit. So it's not that we need to try harder to make fruit. If we don't see fruit in our life, we need to check the relationship. 
And Jesus said, you can't do anything without me. And if you try to do without me, that's why it's been futile and it hasn't been working out. And again, you can't just coast and go through the motions. It's your relationship with me. You must remain in me and I must be in you for you to produce fruit. When that relationship is interrupted, severed, complicated, when Jesus is not the priority, when we are allowing other things to direct us, then the fruit may break down. The fruit may not be healthy. The fruit may not be there at all. Think of a plant doesn't get enough water because there's a drought, and then the crop doesn't come out, and maybe there's a nationwide shortage because of that. So we as branches have to realize that we're not all that. I can't make fruit on my own. I'm not a root. I'm just a branch. I have to be connected to the true vine. And without him, I can. we can do what? Nothing. Because you can do nothing without me. And this so worries me for the church in America today because I think there's so many people who are gathering and there's even groups that have kind of set aside Jesus' commands and are picking and choosing. Well, we want to love people, but we don't want to avoid sexual sin or anything like that. So we'll just make up our own rules and we'll pick and choose what we're going to do. And I will say the moment you reject one of Jesus' commands, you're no longer in the vine and you're on your own. And if your denomination falls apart as according to that, a reminder that Jesus said without him, you can do nothing. So it's a dangerous thing to tell the gardener that he doesn't know what he's doing and that you will take it from here. That's not something I'd recommend for any religious group or any group of people anywhere in the world to not listen to the wisdom of God. So that's a concern. But as long as we continue, we'll talk more about his commands because you can't really love Jesus without obeying his commands. Those go together, as we see later on. But here we see that we must be connected to Jesus. Otherwise, there's no hope of any fruit, of any lasting. You ever buy what looked like good fruit at the grocery store? And it seemed like you get up the next morning, it was already rotten. I thought that was fresh fruit. I still can't figure out some of these bananas I get from Walmart sometimes because I buy them green, and they're still green, but they're also have brown spots on them, and they seem like they never get perfect, and they're so frustrating sometimes. But if the fruit isn't good, maybe we've lost our connection to the vine because we can't produce good fruit on our own. Not just fruit, but the one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. All right. Um, well, is that a Bible verse? To him, much is given, much is required. Mm -hmm. I think that's a Bible verse. I want to make sure I'm like picking up some comic book line there or something. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, God has given us a lot. He expects a lot in return. Are we ever going to outgive God? Are we ever going to outserve Him? I don't think so. And also, I think you know. Also, we look if, if we are mature believers. You know, if if you if you plant. A, you know, a sapling, you don't expect a lot of fruit from it yet, but once that tree matures, you expect to get the full crop. Well, many of us are at the place in life that God expects a full crop. He doesn't expect us to do what we're not physically or intellectually or otherwise capable of, and he understands that, you know, uh, we may find ourselves, you know, and if, obviously if we're lying on a hospital bell, uh, bed, God doesn't expect us to go around and visit all the widows, right? But the fact is that God expects us to do whatever we're capable of in our stage of life in terms of serving him because all he needs is our availability and our connection to him, and he does the rest. It's a willingness, though. We have to remain in him. We can't move on and serve other masters. We have to stay connected to the vine. This is talking about our relationship, not just our salvation. We've already established, like, if you're his branch, then you're saved. But the fruitfulness should come from a healthy relationship. And if there is no healthy relationship, there will be no fruit. It's a trouble sign. It's a trouble sign. It's a red flag when we see one, someone who professes to be a believer and they're not producing fruit. Maybe this is the reason. Are you actually remaining in Jesus? Are you abiding in him? Is, is that connection unchallenged, secure, are you spending time? What are some things we might want to do to have a vibrant faith relationship? That's the requirement to bear much fruit. Jesus will empower us and certainly expects us to produce more and more spiritual fruit, fruit as in results. 
as in things people see. Good works, we could say. Remember, your good works do not save you, but your good works serve as evidence of a changed life. So I think sometimes that we so emphasize that we're saved by faith as as believers, as evangelicals, as Baptists, sometimes we underemphasize the importance of good works. If there aren't good works, you don't have any evidence that you really believed in Jesus. So those good works are essential not to save you, but to show that you, you actually have saving faith. Because saving faith, living faith, will always produce good fruit. So this is our evidence, and in fact, it's our best witness when you are off producing good fruit in your life and people notice, wow, there's a really fruitful person. Notice I didn't say a fruity person, a fruitful person. They see your good works. They see there's something different about you. You treat people better. You, 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 you leave the nice tip at the restaurant. You, you, you care about people around you who are hurting, and people go to you, and, and they trust you, and they, and, and they ask you to pray for them. They notice there's something different about you. And that's because God changed you. And if people don't notice that, maybe God didn't change you. If God didn't change you, what happened? So hopefully this gives us assurance that we look back and say, wow, I was this person and God changed me to this person. And now what do you need to do? You need to still get connected to the one who changed you so he can keep using you. He's not done with you yet. Someday, someday we, will, we will sing songs of praise to God. At your funeral, perhaps, and then it'll be time for you to retire and walk on the sandy shores of heaven. But until then, you are in God's vine, Jesus, and he wants you to produce fruit as much so as you're able in your situation. So we have to rely on him, though, because we cannot do it on our own. We are not able to do that. Look at this in Matthew 19. Jesus talking about how difficult it is. Even for someone with a lot of resources, whether it's having a lot of energy, like the little ones who are going to be running around the service this morning, or whether it's having a lot of, of time or a lot of money, none of those things produce fruit. Only a relationship with Jesus produces fruit, right? So look at the story in Matthew 19. Jesus said to his disciples, and this was right after, by the way, the rich young ruler walked away, Jesus saw him, he, uh, he seemed to understand the commandments, he said, one thing you lack, donate all your riches to the poor and come follow me and enter the kingdom of heaven. And that man walked away sad. And Jesus had this commentary afterwards, truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples heard this greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You see, you couldn't save yourself. Why do you think you can serve God by yourself? The God who saved you, you have to be connected to him to serve him. We're as dependent on God for service as we ever were for salvation. Even the richest person cannot serve God just with their riches. You have to serve God out of a heart that's connected to him. So it's not our resources, however great or small. It is our relationship with Christ. Only as we walk with Jesus can we bear fruit for God's kingdom. So there's a reliance on our fellowship. We have to have fellowship with the Lord to bear fruit. So if I feel like I'm not being very fruitful right now. If that's the feeling you have, then check the relationship. Are you walking as close with Jesus as you have in the past? If not, that might explain the lack of fruitfulness in this season. Don't blame it on stage of life. Don't blame it on I have this much money or not enough money or whatever. It's all about the relationship. God's not looking for material fruit. He's looking for spiritual fruit. And that can only come out of that spiritual relationship. So God... Expects us to be fruitful. We can only be fruitful. Our fruit will only be as good as our fellowship with the Lord Jesus himself. Now we move on to verse 6 through 8. And here we see that there's a warning and there's a reward. Verse 6, if anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are 
burn. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. As we say, now this is not a Bible verse, the proof's in the pudding. We do say that. It sounds like a good southern expression. Not in the Bible, but it probably could have been. But the fact is, you see Jesus saying something very similar to it here. Producing fruit proves your profession is genuine. And if you're not bearing fruit, why? It's because you had a false profession. You never actually trusted Jesus and started to follow him. That's the branches in verse 6. The way I read this is these are false professions. These people have heard the message. Maybe they attended church, and they decided they had something better to do with their life, and they went on and did their own thing. They didn't continue to follow Jesus because they were never his child. And what is their fate? Like, what would you do with a dead branch? Don't you pile them up and set them on fire and burn them? At least when there's not like a low humidity warning going on or a drought. You get rid of them. They're useless. So if I walked up to you and I gave you an apple, a fresh apple, looked yummy, you'd say thank you. If I walked up to you and handed you a dead apple tree branch, I'm not sure how you'd react. You'd probably decide what is the polite way to say thanks, but I'm about to throw away this useless piece, this useless twig. Can't really use it for firewood. It's so small. Look, what are you going to do with it, right? And that's what he's saying. Look, if you're not in me, if you're not a living branch, if you're just a dead branch and you're just a piece of, of wood, then I don't need you. You're just going to get burned up for fuel. You're not part of my kingdom. If you're in me and we have a relationship, not only do you avoid that negative situation, and isn't this isn't this picture what's going to happen to non-believers? In the sense that you don't, don't go to heaven, the only place you could go is hell that was reserved for the devil and his angels, a place that Jesus describes as a place of, of torment where the flames never die, where the worm never dies, a place of eternal misery. Because if you take away God and everything that's good, there's nothing good left there. Some people have the idea that hell's going to be some kind of party, but it's not. The absence of God, we're already seeing what that's like in our nation. When you back away from God and take God out of schools, and then you have, well, what's maybe one of the results of that? When you see violence rising in the land, nothing good comes from taking God out of our culture. And so he's saying, look, if you're not in the vine, then this is the fate that's for you. It's not a good one. You're not part of God's kingdom. You don't get to experience all of that if you're not a believer. Now, if you are a believer, the good news is much, much better. If you're a genuine believer, you're producing genuine fruit in your life because you got saved and you're not depending on your grandma who went to Sunday school or the fact that you were in the choir for 20 years or whatever it is, and it's because you know Jesus and you accepted his death on the cross for payment of sins and you've been walking with him ever since, then we're in the second group. And not only do we avoid the fire, that admittedly, if we look at some of our worst sins, maybe we deserve to be thrown to that fire. But Jesus said, no, I'm paying the price for your sins, and you get to walk free. Not only did you avoid the fire of the judgment of God's wrath on sin, but look at what we get in verse 7. Ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. The psalm says that the Lord will give us the desires of our heart. Now, what that mean? part of that's probably changing our heart, though, right? We have to be in the vine. So if you have an evil heart and you're not connected to Jesus, you don't get whatever you want. But when we're walking with him and we have a heart that's aligned with God's kingdom, ask whatever you want and we be done for you. Jesus is saying, if you're in my vine, it's not just about duty. It's not just a responsibility to produce fruit, but you have answered prayer. That I'm going to provide for you everything you need to produce those fruits. You're not on your own. Again, Jesus is the one who makes the fruit happen. We just need to stay connected to him and ask him to do it. And he says, I'm going to do it. Ask whatever you will, and I will do that. All right? So, again, this is not a blank check. You can't put in a million dollars and ask God to sign the check today because He doesn't. his kingdom is not about a million dollars. His kingdom is about touching people's hearts and bringing them to Jesus. Now, if you want a million dollars to do that, then maybe maybe you get somewhere with that prayer, huh? 
right? If you want a million dollars to build, start some kind of mission or something, God might provide for that. But not just so that we can be greedy, right? It's so that we can do the kingdom work, so we can produce the fruit. My Father is glorified that you produce much fruit. So sometimes when we when we go to pray, you know, sometimes we have to watch where our heart is. Am I trying to produce, is my desire to produce fruit for the kingdom? There's a really good chance that prayer can answer it if it aligns with the way God wants to do it. If it's all about me, I'm not going to get past the ceiling. God's not going to listen to that prayer. But we have this assurance that if we are in line with what he wants to do, guess what? Jesus said, I got you back. I got you covered. You just pray and I'll use you. So, Let's look at this real quick. Matthew chapter 5.13. Again, uh, just a comparison. Very similar to what we saw in this verse. There's two groups of people. The ones who don't follow Jesus and the ones who do. And again, God has no tolerance for those who didn't get on board and don't get the program. But he does have a purpose for those who do. There's two groups of people. The non-believers and the believers. The ones who pay for their own sins and the ones who are redeemed. And notice it here. He says in Matthew 5.13, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So he's called us to be the salt of the earth, also to be the light of the world. That was in that same chapter. And so if we are his, and if we are shining for him as the light of the world, if we have a... Flavor, are you flavoring the world around you? Does the world around you taste just a little different because you're there? Then you are producing spiritual fruit. You are fulfilling God's purpose. You are part of his kingdom. That's what he wants for you. If that's not happening, that's a really bad sign. That's a sign of someone who doesn't belong to him. That may not be in the kingdom at all. What a sobering thought. But I hope that's none of us. But we ought to stop and make sure. You know what else salt does besides make things taste good? It preserves things. It saves things. It saves the people around us. Are we saving our culture? Are we saving our families? Are we bringing people to Christ that are saved for our sins? A lot we could talk about just with that little verse in there. But I hope none of us have no saltiness, and we're like salt that doesn't taste salty, and all you can do is throw it away like we throw away those dead apple branches. That's not what God wants for us. Be connected in the vine and let that aroma of a healthy plant fill the air. So the ramifications of our faithfulness is that if we are connected to the vine, then Jesus is going to answer our prayers and provide everything we need to do what he wants us to do. But if we're not connected to him, then only judgment remains. What a sad Sad situation. Wouldn't it be sad for someone to sit in our church and come week after week but not know the gospel, not respond to Christ, and in the end just get discarded because they never knew him? Didn't Jesus say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you? That was also in Matthew chapter 7. I said chapter, I believe, or near it. So what a shame. We have to be related to him, and that's why... It doesn't really do any good to argue with people about culture. We have to get them saved first, then they'll understand what God wants to do. So sometimes we need to do less arguing about issues and more sharing of the gospel. Because until the hearts in this nation change, people will not respond to what God wants to do in America. And that's a lot of the reasons for changes we've seen. Well, let's continue on here, verses 9 through 11, putting those together. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. <clears throat> I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Jesus is encouraging us, and not only do we have answered prayers, but we have love and joy as a result of being connected with the vine. So although God does expect fruit, it's not like he's some kind of hard taskmaster. He's not like Pharaoh saying, go ahead and make all these bricks for me, and today you don't get straw. 
he's not some kind of hard boss. The benefits we are getting for being connected to him far outweigh anything we're being asked to do because we just sway in the wind and let him produce fruit for us. But we have all these benefits, and part of that is love and joy. Now, love is if we are in a genuine relationship with him and we are keeping his commands. If we're not keeping his commands, then we're not connected to the vine, and these promises don't apply. But assuming that we're obedient, that we don't carve out, well, I'll follow this part of the Bible, but not this part of the Bible. If we're really following his commands, and one of his commands we're talking about here is to love one another. Indeed, if we remain in that love, we're in his love. Isn't it great to be loved? I don't have a lot of time to talk about that. Aren't you glad that God loves you? That God loves you not because you pass some kind of a test, not because of how physically strong you are, not because of the things you've done or maybe even failed to do through the years. God loves you because you're his child and you're connected to him. And God also provides us joy, as you see here in verse 11. He wants his joy to be in us and our joy to be complete. We have a lot to rejoice about, maybe not in the world around us, but in, the, in our relationship to Jesus. Let's look at these last couple of verses as... I really feel like this could have been two weeks worth of stuff, guys. But let's move on. Uh, one little yes. Just think about Psalm 1. Does what Jesus just say sound like this to you? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. And in verse 3, he's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. Is that the kind of relationship you have with Jesus? Or are you worried and frustrated and not feeling like a tree planted by the water? Can I encourage you to get your eyes off the negative things in this world and put your eyes on Jesus and just rest in him and not worry about the things that aren't going so well and those aches and pains and the things that and the regrets and, and anything that's got you tied down? And could you just focus on him and let his love and his joy wash over you and be like the tree that's planted by the water because you belong to him. And if you are his and evidence is in your life, you know where you are today in his arms and you know where you're going. You're going to heaven. Don't let anything take that love and joy away from you. Be that tree in Psalm 1, verse 3. That's what he's called you to do. All right, last look at these verses. First of all, notice the reassurance of fidelity. If we are truly in him, we have that love and we have that joy. So rejoice that he's changed your life, that you are obedient to his commands. And you have that reassurance that whatever happens in this world, whatever happens in this country, our family, our health, we have Jesus. And we have that reassurance that we belong to him and we have love and his joy, because we know that we're his child. So the last couple, look at real quickly and read through them. This is my command, John chapter 15, verse 12. Love one another as I have loved you. should be so natural for us if we're in the vine just to love each other. And I see that from you on many occasions. That's how I know you belong. That's how I know you're in the vine, because the love you show for one another. Verse 13, no one has greater love than this to lay down his love for his friends. You are my friends if you do not, sorry, if you do what I command you. I'm going to read that verse again. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I've heard from the Father. And reading on. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit, and that your fruit should remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he can give you. This is what I command you. Love one another. We could spend a lot of time on those verses that we don't have today, but notice that we're not just little servants. We're not God's minions, although that might be kind of fun. Like those despicable me movies, yellow people running around bouncing into each other, although we may seem like that sometimes in the Baptist church. The fact is that we're more than that. 
We're his friends. We're connected to him. And we walk with him and he walks with us. Um, if I was going to remind you of something, I'll remind you. I won't read it all. But here, 1 John chapter 5. Notice that he who has the Son has life in verse 12. Who does not have the Son does not have life. But if we're connected with him, we have life. We have confidence of answered prayers like we talked about. We have that relationship. So walk with him. And know that the relationship is friends. God is your friend. Are you spending time with your friends? He is our Lord. But if we are on good terms with him, he is also our friend. And he hears our prayers and our requests. So let's rejoice in that today. Are you in the vine? Is the fruitfulness there? Are you trying to do it? Or are you letting God do it? Let's pray. Lord, thank you that we did not have to jump through some complicated qualification process to apply for membership to the true vine. You made it so simple. You simply admitted that we were sinners in need of a Savior, and we ask you to forgive our sins. And we got plugged into a relationship with you, and we didn't really, even really know what we were getting into then, but we do now. We thank you that you accept us on the basis of Calvary. We thank you that you cultivate a relationship in our life, and when we go the wrong way, you prune our branches, and you send your nourishment and we have this relationship with you, and we can read your word, and we can pray to you, and we can learn to walk in obedience to your commands, and live in your love and joy. Thank you, Lord. If anyone doesn't have an assurance of a genuine relationship with you, may they seek you and make that right before the sun sets today. But if we do have that relationship, let us focus on you and worship you and be as a tree planted by the waters and that you produce fruit in our lives to the benefit of all those around us. We thank you for that relationship, that precious relationship we have with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Scott.